Jeez, April. <laughs> You're first. You have to say it. I can and say she, it. <laughs> and she's Molly. <laughs> and we are the book besties. I feel like I do owe you an apology for this book. He's down with it. He's jiggy. But I guess the universe has a way of knocking supposed to's right on their asses. Father, I don't even understand. I see it's Cerulean. Professor, Doctor, whatever the fuck. And I probably should have started that with trigger warning. <laughs> what in the world? That was a mess. <laughs> I told you we didn't have guests. I wasn't behaving. <laughs> Gosh, I'm so tired. I'm sorry I'm late. Oh, I am too. These first two weeks of school is killing me. Yeah. So I thought things would slow down at work a little bit because when kids go back to school and summer Hard pass. over, you know, it's normally like slow down. No. You've been no. very busy. Yes. I, there's a lot of things happening at the thing. Yeah, there's like a lot of work stuff that I can't talk about because it's like, you know, work stuff. But like Work stuff, boring, it, It's just been busy the past week and a half and Bro. I'm tired. Like, and so we're filming after a, work one day. On a Wednesday, which is weird for us. Yeah, and I'm late, which I'm never late. So I know. Um, Oh, this week. It's just been rough. I, and uh, so James got into Ninja Gym. Nice. Um, we've been on a wait list here. A while? Kids, what, kids two years? Gym. No, it, no, definitely not that long. We He went on the list just in June. So it's just oh, been okay. a few months. But like, It feels like longer because <laughs> anything post-COVID feels longer. Yeah, it, it does. Um, so he's uh, starting that next week. So I'll have an update, you know. In a few weeks for pod. Liv um, picked but, up her band shit. Oh, is she in band? Like, what kind of, like, wait, she's in middle school. So what is she doing for band? Percussion. Oh, that's so cute. She'll be they the gave her percussionist. a snare drum and xylophone. Wait a minute. They, like, gave her them? Like, you she rent them, them. So here's how this works here. First and foremost, they told us bells. I thought, like, hand bells, like, dang, dang. No, dun. that's hand bells. That's not the same thing. But when somebody says bells, I assume bells, like bell, not no, no, a no. xylophone. No, no, no. Like in in band, you have like the big xylophone yeah. and then you have the little xylophone, but they're yeah. all bells. It's all this bells. Semantics. Anyways, this kit, <laughs> this kit has the stand for both, right? Like, so it, it, you can switch yeah. up the snare for the... The xylophone, bells, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It weighs as much as this kid. Okay, but... It's so as long is, as her. Like, from so her this, shoulders down. So this is interesting to me because, like, where I went to school, the percussionist didn't have, like, an no. instrument at home. You, like, they didn't... didn't either, but there's that so was many just like, kids. And that's why those motherfuckers just always carried uh, drumsticks around and beat on everything. And let yeah. me just tell you, when you're a teacher... Super annoying. I'm just like, wow. Super annoying. Fucking stop. Which, <laughs> I mean, that's what I, that's why we kind of picked percussion because it was an easy one. She gets carried drumsticks. She's this big. Like, we need a smaller instrument. Yeah, but I would beg to differ that percussion is easy. <laughs> it's not. She didn't get a smaller instrument. She ended up getting a freaking snare drum and a 
She could have played the that. flute. That would have been a smaller instrument. Yeah, but I didn't. I assumed they would already have the equipment. I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, <laughs> I don't either. I don't know how to help you with this problem, friend. I'm, I'm going to open house tomorrow. I will talk to the band director then. Yeah, we have an open house next week. And I was like, didn't we just have an open house? But apparently that was orientation or back to school. I don't know what the fuck it was. I'm like, they've been in school for th- two weeks. Next week will be three weeks. What the fuck two can weeks. you tell me about my kid at that two point? Two and a half weeks. Like, what can you tell me about my kid at that point? I <laughs> like, don't know. It's like all new like, for us. So Sam's Sam's in first grade. So what are you going to say? Like he's a first grader. Yay. Right. Like he, and he's not your first kid. So you know what you expect for first grade. Like the, the, I can hope to hear that he like plays well with others. Like that's it. Although he's funny, quiet during class. <laughs> funny story. He told me today that his teacher didn't believe he was doing his independent reading. So he didn't get a snack because his what? name got put on the bad list. And I was like, what kind of what? <laughs> I don't understand. And then he goes, "Well, somebody put me on the list, but I was doing my reading." And I was like, "Okay, I." Don't, Did she mix what? him up with another kid? No idea. And then he's like, "But I got a snack at the end of the day." And I was like, "Sam, what the fuck? Like, I don't." <laughs> the story makes no sense, bro. But he never makes sense, and he still has this like little speech impediment the, thing. The, the I, kid I, lisp, yeah. But I probably should like. He's probably too old to have this, but it's so fucking cute that like I don't want to have. It's a It that's exactly how he says it too. Last year, he I may have already told this story on pod, uh-huh. but uh, last year he was sounding out words, and he mm-hmm. had rainbow. So he goes, "What what rainbow?" It starts with a W, and I was like, "Oh, buddy, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Buddy doesn't." That's so cute, though. But no, it, it ends doesn't. with a rainbow, a, a W. It, it ends with a W. But I mean, it thinking it starts with a W is kind of dyslexic. No, it's the sound because he oh. says "what what rainbow." Mm. Wah. Wah. And I'm like, bah, bud, bro, get get your life together. <laughs> it's a R. But anyway, um, I, and like James is in fourth grade this year. But listen, I have had a conversation with all of his teachers. Like almost um, every day, I'm emailing his teachers because. Oh jeez. If you're just joining this, we talk about this a lot in here. My oldest son is autistic, so he's autistic and but gifted. But he's also brilliant. Yeah, so he's like- gifted. So he has an abundance of teachers, like more teachers than any child could ever use at his age. And so um, I'm constantly, you know, emailing, doing the things. And and Virginia, in Virginia last year, yeah, in Virginia last year, they started this like, um, like standardized test at the beginning of the year that's like basically like assessing where you are. And last year they started it as a way to see like, how the pandemic affected the kids, but they've mm-hmm. decided to go ahead and keep it. So like now he has a standardized test at the beginning of the year and it's this week. So the girls <laughs> did it this week. It's already. So, so I had to like make sure he was getting his accommodations because like all of my moms out there who have, or dads, I don't want to say we parents, have women. Listen, yeah. All of my parents that have a special needs child, you know. You know. You know. We are motherfucking lions. <laughs> well, it's exhausting not to, mm. like, be, like, okay, so the dean of students, I, I've been, Livy has Jet, okay, and um, the dean of students didn't want to do the 405. She asked me to email them with, like, a snippet about what's going on with Liv. 
whatever. She would share it with the teachers. Cool. You know what? No. First, no, you need the four, the five hundred four. Um. So, one of the teachers second day walked up to Livia and goes, "Hey, I heard you have an anxiety issue. You doing okay?" What the fuck? Absolutely not. I'm glad it's Livia because Liv handles these things well and like is very mature about it and was like, "Yeah, cool, whatever," and walks away. But came I'd home been to like, tell me. Fuck you, teacher. <laughs> but out of her five teachers, three of them did that. No. That's not okay. Because they don't know how to handle it. That's not what you do. Okay. Anyways, talking well, about anxiety, let's get over to this book. Okay. All right. So this week we were talking about this book here, The Astonishing Color of After. Word. It is by Emily XR Pan. Yeah. And this is... Uh, Pan's first novel mm. and she is one of those highly educated MFA YA authors who writes like she has an MFA and I had oh, such high no. hopes for this book because that cover it's if you're beautiful. watching on YouTube oh my gosh it's gorgeous beautiful. the title The Astonishing Color of After that is a gorgeous title and then there is a quote plugging this book from john green so i thought there's no way this book yeah. can go wrong yeah i bought this book with high gosh, hopes for a living like i bought this book at the beginning of the year i know and have waited to put it on pod till this season and here we are here we are and if you I can't know. tell by the way we're talking this was yeah. not it for us yeah. so it'll win it. so many awards this book will win so many awards no, it didn't. And um, you don't already, think so? Um, I mean, look, it's a a New York Times what? bestseller, a national indie bestseller. What year uh, did it publish? It was a Junior Library Guild selection, which doesn't really mean much, but um, it published. Uh, let's see now. Uh, Twenty eighteen. Mm. It reads like a snooty award winning book. Well, a book yeah. like a teacher would force me to read. Look, <laughs> I feel like I should be insulted as someone that forced people to read books for a living, but I don't. So, <laughs> all right. Um, and that also makes me think of that quote from Parks and Rec. Shouldn't you be at the library forcing people to borrow books? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's do a synopsis if that's okay. Okay. And at least we know this episode's recording. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's still not as bad as Lost Apothecary, it's Molly. It's not as bad as Lost Apothecary. If we ever read something that is worse worse than Lost Apothecary, I think that's the time that I'm going to be like, no, nah, I'm done. We're with done. We're hanging it up. No more pod Hanging for me. it up. She's done. All right. Molly uh, and special guests. No more book besties. <laughs> right. Book besties. Break up. Um, I, and I read the physical book of this, so we will talk about the audio book. Can a we do later. a why we broke up YouTube video? Like those, those clickbaity videos like they do on <laughs> We've c- consciously decided to uncouple. <laughs> why we're uncoupling. April and Molly, I chosen to remain friends. However, Molly, I'm pretty sure that if I ever did try to break up with you, you wouldn't let me. So <laughs> I'd let you out of the book, the podcast, but out of my life is a zero. 
Okay, well, that's Absolutely that's not. fair. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's get a synopsis. Fine. Lee, Chen, <laughs> Lee Chen Sanders is an aspiring artist finishing her sophomore year of high school. She is finally kissing her best friend, Axel, who she has secretly harbored feelings for for years mm -hmm. when she gets the news that her mother has died by suicide. Her mother, a long-suffering manic depressive, lost her battle with the chemical imbalance in her brain, leaving a large blood stain on her heart on her bedroom floor. Lee and her father are left in the aftermath to wallow in their own grief. One evening, Lee sees her mother alive again, but now her mother is a large red crane. Her mother, the bird, brings Lee a box of items and gives her instructions to go to Taiwan to see her grandparents for the first time. While in Taiwan, Lee learns a great deal more about her family than she ever knew, including that she had an aunt who died while Lee's mother was in college. A family friend named Fang helps Lee on her journey to learn more about her mother and chase the giant red bird her mother has become. There are several side stories in this book that drive home the story of grief that ultimately leads to redemption for a family broken by mental illness. And I probably should have started that with trigger warning because this Word. book is about suicide, which I actually huge full of triggers. I actually didn't know that it doesn't tell you no. that you know her it mom doesn't. died but you don't know it's from suicide yeah you don't even know it's suicide related until the very like I was very surprised I was, was very, very surprised it was very startling yeah. and um like it was definitely a lost battle like her mom was sick for mm -hmm. a very long time her poor mother um oh oh you know what I think I forgot to ask this question, so I'm just going to make myself a note so I can come back to it, okay. um, but I, I'm i going to make myself a note real quick. Okay. Um, uh, okay. All right. All right. So are you good with us, like, starting the questions? Yeah. All right. So I picked this book because of the beautiful colored cover design and the title, even after reading the back of the book, I was not really sure what to expect. So I want to get this out of the way. Did you like this book? No. But Fair. I didn't hate it either. Yeah. This book is, I'm indifferent. Like. Yeah. It. it the story is great. The, the yeah, purpose of this story is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think the ending's thrown away. Like, it feels like a gimme um yeah, there's some twists I, there's good twists i think but i don't know the, the her writing style the way she uses words gets under my skin well and using I, color to yeah. speak all the time is like oh my gosh oh my gosh that was hard it needed to be pulled back a little bit like it was trying too hard and right. i hate that expression because it's like that's what people in English classes say, like you were yeah. an English major too. So, you know, it was trying too hard. We say that all the time, but, um, I did read, um, her notes in here mm -hmm. about how she wrote this. She started this while she was working on her M MFA mm -hmm. masters of fine arts for those of you that don't know that. And it reads that way. It reads like it was a senior thesis project for somebody who's Absolutely. getting their MFA. And like, it's, it was pretentious with unnecessarily. Yes. It's so pretentious. You're, you're writing about a sophomore in high school who lost her mother. 
like let her be human let her be a teenager let her say words the teenagers say yeah and the language didn't fit the setting for sure 100 percent. and this is coming from someone like me who john green is my favorite author Mm -hmm. and he writes ya and i love the way that he writes ya yes but this isn't it like he has a way of connecting with the teens but still he's um, down with it he's jiggy but but he's still he can connect with the teens but he can still write these this higher level language um and also this this week that we're filming or that um that this episode premieres is banned books week so i'm going to link below john green just did a tiktok i believe it's also on instagram talking about his book being banned looking for alaska which we read last year and um sorry to deviate from this but i'm going to post an article below because this his book looking for alaska is now being challenged in his hometown of orlando florida i sent you the video I know in the school district where he, he grew up attended with. schools. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's kind of so, fucking ridiculous. Yo, it's insane. That book is not. We're super proud of John, but we're banning his books. It's stupid. It's stupid. Anyway. So, so for me, like, I felt like this was like unnecessarily long mm-hmm. and like over, excuse me, overcomplicated. I, but you know what? You know what really? Going, when is the story going to be over? Yeah. I mean, that's how I felt too, Molly. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is just so long. It breaks. Yeah, me too. And I never do that. Um, And you know what really bothered me? And I don't want to totally get into the end all the way right here. Mm -hmm. But all of the work that you do to get through that grief process of her mom is completely diluted by the fact that when she goes home, it's just all about her boyfriend. Yeah. That was such such a throwaway of an ending. It was such a throwaway of an ending. All right. Next question. All right. This book uses a lot of references to color. Lee and Axel often ask each other to describe their feelings in color. What did you think about this? I thought the girl had synesthesia. Synesthesia? Synesthesia. Yeah. Like, like that would make sense. She's seeing colors. She used colors to describe her life. it would make sense if this was something mm-hmm. she was living with and trying to like function with, but right. they never push on that. No, they don't. Right. And it makes me just feel like they're just, you know, those two art kids at school that mm-hmm. talked in old English mm-hmm. who thought they were smarter than everybody else mm-hmm. and bitched about being the outsiders. Mm-hmm. That's them. Yeah. They're the artsy kids that talk different because they're smarter than everybody else or they think they're smarter than everybody else Yeah, because they think it's being mature. I thought it, yeah. I I, I liked it. It, There were certain times where I was like, you know what? That worked. This feeling is cerulean. She is feeling that variation of blue. I get that. But then there was times about how, like, she felt yellow and it made her happy and it, 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 mm. It just I mean, wasn't needed all the time. I thought it was like an interesting plot device because I've never seen that done before. I haven't but either. But I didn't even know half of the colors they were talking about. They were shades that like you only know if you fucking looked up shades of color. Right. Like it was, in re- right. it was ridiculous. Right. Like, I was literally Googling the Same. color shades so I could see what the fuck she was talking about. Um, About halfway through the book, I gave up. Yeah, I just gave up. It was, 
It was exhaustive. It was exhausting. Um, but you have to also but, be a tart major on top of having your English bachelor's in English to read this book. Right. But I did think I've never seen that before. So I no. did think that it was clever. Was but, it was unique. Yeah. I yeah. will give her that. It is something we've never seen before in a book. That is correct. I yeah. hope never to see it again. <laughs> Unless this character does have synesthesia, because that would be interesting. But um, make the story about the synesthesia then. Yeah, now I have that song stuck in my head. So, Okay. Which one? There's, there's a song called Synesthesia by uh, Andrew McMahon, who's my favorite artist. Oh, and um anyway I didn't know that. sorry yeah um so kind of a follow-up question to that what do you think about the fact that she constantly thinks in colors but only does her art in black and white it's a metaphor her world is vibrant her work doesn't need to be i get it, it, it mm-hmm. it's a this versus that kind of situation yeah she it, you know like it's I like, feel like. Uh, go ahead. I feel like it's an example that English teachers would use. Like, yes. Because at the end, what happens? She's in the art show, and her final piece is in color. full color. She's come full circle. Her world is right. now completely colored in. Nonsense. It, and it's like um, her art didn't get colored till her dad supported her. Right? Like, she needed the support mm-hmm. of her father to be fully, like... Yeah. Right. Bull- bullshit flag. She's waving her bullshit flag, everybody. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. And and to me, that is also something you would find in a senior thesis project for somebody working on their MFA. Like, it just... Yeah. All right, so the relationship between Lee and her father, since we're talking about that, is definitely not great at this point in her life. Mm-hmm. Her dad is trying to convince her to choose a path other than art. Lee fights back like a sullen teenager. Is this a cliche? Yeah. Yeah, like... Three bells from Molly. <laughs> you're you're cool with your wife being a pianist. It's great. Mm-hmm. She yeah. can stay home, make all the beautiful right. music. But right. you're my child. Get your shit together. You're going to be an adult and get an adult job. But to defend him for a second, like, not the fact that he was kind of a dick to her about yeah. how she was, like, um, not how she was wanting to do art. But there is that scene in which he's talking to his wife um, and she's seeing it in those weird yeah, whatever dreams she's having mm-hmm. um uh where she's like higher than motherfucker um she sees him say to her are you happy pursuing your art and i think that the reason he didn't want her to pursue the art is because he saw that his depression wife is, his is wife. a manic depression pre- depressive person and like nothing has helped even though she did what her parents didn't want her to do she pursued art she but pursued that child's the man. not her mother She's not depressed like her mother. She's not going through extreme depression like her mom. But Dory wasn't depressed when she married um, Lee's dad But her sister died and she had a baby and she's not talking to her parents. And honestly, we don't actually know that that's true, that she wasn't depressed beforehand because we don't know. She could have had signs of depression. Well, I mean, her parents did say she was a troubled child. Maybe she was always having issues. 
Right. And also there are a lot of mental health issues that arise in your mid twenties, which is when she would have gotten married and first started having those problems. So, um, and, and, and pregnancy definitely could have kicked that off with the 100%, 100%. But I agree. It's a cliche. Like, okay, it's been done. (laughs) Let's move on. I'm not a child anymore. Father, I don't understand. I see it's ruin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm a dick oh my gosh that was amazing <laughs> oh why was she british i don't know i, don't know. <laughs> I i've been re-watching um how i met your mother uh-huh and an episode just had the captain, so like that's my posh right. voice, right? Right. So right. It, it makes me think of the captain. Well, I'm listening to a book we're reading next month right now, which is British, and so that accent has been stuck in my head. <laughs> and with the not queen my terrible dying, one, not my terrible one, no, a real one. And with the a queen dying, one. it's just been like you know, it's been a lot British, a lot. Um, all right, so when Lee gets to Taiwan, she meets her estranged grandparents for the first time. We discover the box the bird brought to Lee was actually a box of items her grandparents had burned in a ceremony to give Lee's mother, whose name is Dory, uh, peace in the afterlife. We also meet family friend Fang. Is that how her name is pronounced? Fang? No. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to helps- think. I'm trying to remember. Keep going. Who helps Lee find the places important to Dory. What did you think about learning about these Chinese traditions? Did you find any of this like super interesting? Was there I, did it strengthen the story? I liked this. And I like mm-hmm. this because we're learning. This is a great way to bring other cultures into other people's lives without yeah. like stopping the book, explaining it, moving it in. We literally wove into it slowly. It was a part of the story. Mm-hmm. It flowed naturally. It wasn't this, okay, we're going to do a Chinese tea ceremony. What they're going to do right. is, right, they, 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 they did it slowly and explained it. And it was very right. beautiful the way they explained it. I agree. I think she did a really good job talking about the Chinese traditions, the Taiwan traditions. And if you read the, like, uh, the acknowledgments in the back of the book. Um, she talks about how that was originally what the story was about was like these Chinese the, traditions. Yeah. And then she had a family member that she lost to suicide while mm. she was in the midst of writing this. And so the book kind of took a different direction to include that. Um, but I thought it was really interesting. And like, honestly, the one that I was most interested by w- was the whole ghost bride thing. So like yeah. they, if a, a woman died uh, unmarried, yeah. um, she they, gets married she gets married to someone who's human while she's a spirit so that um, she can have like a better afterlife rest in the afterlife or something like that. It's like, it's not unfinished business. Yeah. And and the festival that they talk about the uh, ghost festival is Mm -hmm. actually in August was in August of this year. So I have a link that I'm going to link below more about the the festival. And then I also found this really interesting article because I was like, is this real? Like, is this ghost bride rate thing real? So like I Googled it and BBC had an article, which I'll link below that this is still a tradition and has been an issue that has been a human trafficking issue because they've been, um, 
saying they're going to get these girls married off and instead they're like selling them and traffic, trafficking people yeah that's right. sucks man yeah so i'll link that below because it explains more about it but i was just like wow but i thought that the traditions in this were really interesting um, and it wasn't and- boring and it wasn't hard to understand or follow no. or no, and to me, it was, like, kind of the most interesting part of the book because, like, I don't know these things. No. And the only other book that I've read – no, it's not the only book that I've read that has Asian characters as a whole, but, like, that talks about Asian traditions mm-hmm. is Crazy Rich Asians, which is a yeah. completely different – That's – Like, completely different element. Well, that's different <laughs> cultures, right? Mm-hmm. Because – Well, and there's such a – and I think that one um, – I I need to look it up, but I'm pretty sure that one is a Korean. Taiwanese. Mm-mm. I'm pretty I sure it's Crazy Korean. Rich was in. No, crazy, I'm pretty sure it was Taiwanese or Hong Kong. No, not Hong Kong. I want to make sure we get this right. Right. I don't want to be. It's in Singapore. It's Singapore. in Singapore. Sorry, okay. I was going to say Hong Kong. That's wrong. Well, it was in Singapore, but um, the uh, the economic difference between the characters in this book and the characters in Crazy Rich Asians. They're a totally different culture level. So different. Yeah. Um, All right. So uh, what the fuck was up with the incense? Do you think she was like losing her mind? Is she having visions? Like what is going on there? I think she was sick the whole time. I think these were all fever dreams. I think she was just high on fucking... Not fucking. She wasn't high. She was just ill and unwell. Mm-hmm. She probably was having fucking fever dreams. Well, we do know, like, at the end, like, before they leave um, Taiwan, that she wakes up and she had had a fever for three days. Yeah, I think I didn't. I didn't think it was fever the whole time, but now that you've said that, I think you might be right. I don't know. I just thought she was like that it was another one of the like traditions that she was mm-hmm. lighting this incense and she was having these visions. Well, they were in the, they were from the box. The incense were in the box. I thought she found them in a drawer in her bedroom in oh, Taiwan. There were so I, many I, elements of the story. I forgot because so much no. happens. Well, not, okay. So, so not then proud this of is, that. No, it's okay. <laughs> I feel like that's fair. So then that, this next question is pretty much about that. So is this a story of grief, traditions, magic, or family? Like, what is this a story about? This is about her grief. That's what mm-hmm. this story is about, is her processing her mother's death. There's nothing more. Yes, the mm-hmm. traditions are important, but it was important to her processing her mother's death. Uh, is it about her growing? Yes, but it's her growing while her mother's dying. You know what I mean? Is it about mental illness? Yes, but in yeah. the aspects of her life and her, right? Lee, it, this is about Lee and Lee's journey and that's it. But see, that's what bothers me about the ending of the book because I agree with you that it is about her grief. It's about her discovering parts of herself that she didn't know um, yeah. and that her mom didn't let her know. And then it's basically like, it ends up being all about that boy. Like, yeah. oh, well, now I get to be with Axel, so it's all good. Yay, like, me. Boy. That's that's not... Oh, and I also get to do the art show. Like, that's not... And her friends and everybody can just magically make it to Berlin. Well, I don't know how the fuck Axel is affording that, but um, her, sis- her friend, her best friend, other best friend, was already in Paris, so... 
You know, because Berlin to Paris is such a short trip. <laughs> Money. It actually You're is. All when it is. Right. But for a high school student to just be like, it's fine. We're just going to hop on the train and go from Paris to Berlin for the weekend. Um, <laughs> As an American I, teenager. I 100% think they would do that because her grandparents are French. And so they probably raised her fine. with like that sort of. Right, like, but that is not the norm for high school, American high school teenagers. Look, I didn't write the book, Molly. No. I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. Absolutely not. <laughs> you apologize for this book. <laughs> In wasting yours and my time. <laughs> I feel like I do owe you an apology for this book. Like, I get on you when you pick books that I don't like all the time, and this one's like, wow, this was like... It's not even that I don't like it. It's just, was it worth my time? It wasn't. It wasn't worth my time either. It's not even that it's a bad book. It's not poorly written. It's smart. Mm-hmm. It's clever. It has poignant points. It has moving points. It's just, why am I reading it? I feel like we need a scorecard that's like, how many bad books Molly has picked versus how many bad books April has picked. So you you want a tracker, not a scorecard. We're not like go, going in like heavy detail here. We're, we're just... Just who's sucking the worst. <laughs> That's all you want. Yep. Who's got the shit? Who's picked the shittier books so far? I want evidence that I pick better books than you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a librarian. I demand data. I demand research that proves this. And I'm a writer. I'm going to tell a different story. <laughs> Are you going to spin that shit? <laughs> That's my job. It's true. That's my job. So what's the next question? Oh... I don't know. Um, is Dory really a bird? No. I think this kid is like, I think she's hallucinating. I think it's lack of sleep and her mind playing tricks on her and teenage haze. And what do you think? Do you think there's really a red herring? Nice. It's not a red herring. What the hell um, was bird? Was it crane? It's a crane, but that was. That was nice. Nice. Um, I I think uh, I I think she's playing really hard on the traditions of like what you know, not having a settled afterlife, the ghost festival, and all that stuff. And so like that makes sense for that purposes. Mm -hmm. But I do think that like she is losing her shit. But that doesn't explain how the crane bought brought the box. Like how did the crane bring this box of shit? It's that that her dad mailed to China. Mm. Her dad mailed the box to China, and they burned it. And they burned it, and it showed back up at on Lee's step. It's just weird. I don't know. It's weird, and I didn't get it. And maybe she was hoping that we weren't going to get it because we weren't paying attention because the book was so long. That was her plan. <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> Really, I got you down now. I'm on to you. I'm on you. (laughs) You're fucking with us. I got it. All right. So this is a spoiler. Um, Were you surprised to learn that Fang wasn't was actually the ghost of Dory's sister, Jingling? No. It makes a lot more sense than what I was guessing. But, like, the grandparents acting like they weren't talking to a ghost for a better part of a week is kind of fucking I'm not sure that they realized she was there. 
And that's think like she's I, just I called it damn mind. I called it from jump that that was the dead sister. But um no, her grandmother when when she asked her thing, her grandma's like I don't know who you're talking about. Like that there's not anybody that's been here. Um but what about the phone? That's the only part that I can't explain, what but about- also what about the motherfucking incense? Like I don't know. <laughs> guy's house and like it well they they said that the phone was delivered in the mail they thought her dad brought it it's there's just too many loose ends yeah it's very confusing and it's not making sense all right so yeah i wasn't i don't know it it was just weird like they had excuses for it but i think she was like i don't know i think she might have been lost in her own story maybe she's maybe she's schizophrenic maybe she you mean like Emily XR Pan, or you mean Lee? <laughs> Lee, like I think that I mean it's possible mental health issues she's in her family. Maybe she's schizophrenic, and that's why Dad is pushing on her going to the therapist. And her dad is like on her to take her meds and drink her water and eat right. And where are you going? And why can't we find you? And special camp? Maybe the special camp she couldn't take her friends to because it was for kids like her. I don't think so. I I but, don't think she had. I don't think she had schizophrenia. Dead mom camp? You know, they do do, like, dead parent camp where it's just camp for kids that are. That's from, that's from Turtles All the Way Down. Dead parent camp? He sent her to to camp because her mom was going to go through treatment, which actually brings me to something that I just wrote a note about at the beginning of the episode that I wanted to tell you. Okay. um, Before I ask my last question. So her mom, while while uh, Lee is at camp that she doesn't want to go to um, at like the summer camp, she mm-hmm. undergoes uh, electroshock therapy. Have you read um, Wishful Drinking by Carrie Fisher? No. So Carrie Fisher, if you don't know who Carrie Fisher is. Where the fuck I, have you been? I don't know what to fucking tell she you. Coyote Ugly. That's ma- motherfucking uh, Princess Leia. General Leia Organa. So yeah. you need to get your life together, man. Right. Um, also, she wrote Coyote Ugly. She did? Yeah. The movie? She's one of the screenwriters. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, so but, there's um, a whole list of movies I learned about her writing the other day, which is actually kind of interesting. Moving on. Well, she uh, has written several memoirs, and her first Mm -hmm. one is Wishful Drinking. Carrie Fisher actually went through electroshock therapy on three different occasions. Electroshock therapy, for those of you who do not know what it is, I'll link some some sort of like, it might be Wikipedia, but hopefully it's a scholarly article. Whatever. Um, Link below in the doobly-doos, as they say on um, Vlogbrothers. Um, so basically it's like a, a, a shock, an electric shock, and it can completely like wipe huge chunks of your memory because it's electrocution. Um, but it actually, it used to be a treatment that was more regularly used. Um, and, and probably in cases that like it wasn't necessary, but they do still occasionally use it today. Um, in like really severe cases and Carrie Fisher in wishful drinking, she talks about how that was absolutely the right choice for her. She lost chunks of her life because of it, but like she struggled with mental health issues, right? She struggled with mental health issues and addiction her entire life. Um, and so friend that had it. 
that had electric shock therapy. Wow. Wow. Changed her life. Wow. Changed her life. Did she feel like she lost like chunks of her life from doing that? Like, um, memory wise. Really talk about that part. Mm-hmm. She talks about the victory she got after. Well, there you go. So, um, it was, I mean, she's still on meds because her depression is very severe mm-hmm. and she has a life and a family and all the things, but like, right. Electroshock therapy got her back to zero, 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 you know, like, well, and that's what they talk about in this book. And that's what Carrie Fisher talked about too. Like in this book, there's such a, they talk about how there's such a stigma around, well, mental health issues in general, there's that's- a stigma around it. Um, but electroshock therapy, because people have these images of what they've seen in like movies where you're, you know, right. makes you, you think know. of like the, the, the electric chair. Right. And like, it's not like no. that. So no. um, anyway, so I have, I'll put some information below. I'll have to do some research on it, but um, I'll put some information below. Cause I thought that was really interesting that they brought that up. And that's one of the things I will say about this book that I really liked. Mm-hmm. I liked learning about the traditions that I didn't know. And I liked the, awareness to mental health and the back of the book also has um there's like information yeah there there is there's information in here um about how in the author's note she talks about how there's actually um one of every 62 americans is a suicide loss survivor um which is crazy to me uh, and, uh, the I have two, I have three, three, I can think of come to mind that I would consider somebody I loved. That's crazy. I'm so sorry. It, um, it's real it, life though. Right. Um, it, this author's note talks about how, um, our world, I'm just going to quote this part. Lastly, our wor- words hold so much power. Mental health professionals have been advocating for us to change our phrasing from committed suicide to died by or from suicide in order to reduce the blame and stigma. So um, I thought that like, to me, like that's the part of this book that I enjoyed, but I feel like she got lost in the MFA language. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering who was editing this, who was behind her with the red pen going, you can do more, you can dig deeper. Right. Find, Find it. Her professor, her yeah. professor, doctor, whatever the fuck. Her, her, um, her, her, uh, her mentor. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. they call them in those programs. Right, right. All right. So, last question: um, <laughs> Did you find the resolution of this book believable? No, no. The, like she went back and she was with the boy, and 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 she magically mm-hmm. got into Germany, and everything just magically fell back into place when everything she went back home. Wonderful, sunshine's and her rainbows. life is just fine after her mother died. She doesn't need anything. It just, yeah. it's a hard push. Like mm-hmm. I get you want to give the character a happy ending, mm-hmm. but that's not life post suicide. That's, that's not, not the, life. That's not the book she built. No. No, you, you need to write in there how hard it was. You need to write in there the struggles she had the next four years in school, mm-hmm. how right. she regressed, how she herself shuffled with, suffered with depression. Tell the story, the true story about how right. we all live with this struggle at the end of the day. That, well, that death doesn't just 
evaporate. It stays right. with you the rest of your life. Right. And if you want to give her the ending of her getting into the art show, it just happened so soon after mm -hmm. getting back. It was like not even boom. a year that her mom had been. Boom, had boom. Passed. It literally like, it was like, like Ooh, don't even unpack your bag, kid. You're going to Berlin. It's the first thing right. I, of mail she unlet. Please. Yeah, it was it was Rough. too it was too much. much. Yeah. Too I, much. And for me, like I felt like it was really a forced happy ending, like we just said. And I think like the author has spent too much time like painting this image of grief and like processing grief, and then she just threw it away with like, I get to kiss the boy now. Like that was just that's not how grief works, you know? It was a, it was a throwaway. And we've it talked about this before on this. We've talked about this before on, our, on this pod, like how we still grieve our grandmothers. And my grandma died in 2010. Like we yeah. are wrapping on the 12th anniversary of her death. And I'm still like, when it's her anniversary of her death, like I'm devastated. Mm -hmm. I, you know what I mean? I like that's how grief the works. Beginning of the year, every year, I feel mm -hmm. that loss. Yep. It's the end of the year for me. Um, but hey, so one thing I did like about this book that made me think, oh my gosh, I'm going to like this book because this freaking quote happens right at the beginning. It's the mm -hmm. very first chapter. It's one of the first pages. But I guess the universe has a way of knocking supposed to's right on their asses. That line. is a great line. That line is a great There's line. a couple of them in there. But yeah. you got to dig through the weeds to find the do one it. good line. Right. Right. I don't want to dig through the weeds in a book like this. No, I want I don't them to either. hit me in the face. I want, especially with John Green's stamp of approval. John, I'm disappointed in you, friend. Like, I'm fucking disappointed, homie. I'm going to step off screen for just one second because I want to show you something. Okay, you show me something. This is John Green's book that deals with grief and mental health. Turtles all the way down. We covered yep. that. Um, just a few weeks ago. This is Emery, Emily XR Pan's book about grief and loss. Look at the comparison between the lengths of the two of them. It's fucking ridiculous. When you know how to tell a story and you know how to tell it right, it's literally the half the length. It's literally half the length. Word. She needed to be reined in. She needed to be reined in. And her mentor did not do that. Did not. Did not. Lean into the colors. It's beautiful. <laughs> All right. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? No. No. Next week. Um, do you want to know my Goodreads rating? Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. Well, I forgot what it was. So give me a second. A two, I'm guessing. I think I gave it, um, I think I gave it a three, but let me double check. Molly, I've read 48 books this year. I know. I know. I'm not keeping track. I probably well, should. Um, people have started following me on Goodreads. It's been exciting. Um, I rated Voice. it three out of five, but again, Goodreads doesn't let me do halves. So it's actually a 2.5 out okay, of five. Okay, thank you. And I include, whenever you follow me on Goodreads, you'll see that I put true rating because Goodreads really needs to give halves. Like, I need to Word. be able to half rate this. You need to start a petition. I can't believe I'm the only, I can't, I can't imagine that I'm the only person that's like, I need a half rating here. So anyway, we need some petition. We'll put it on the website. All right. So what are we doing next week, Molly? Karen Slaughter's triptych. 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 Yep. 
It's That's the, the first, first book in the Will Trent series. Yep. First book of the Will Trent series. And that is the last book for September. And um, uh, last week, if you missed it, last week we posted um, a carousel that has yes. all of our October books, which yes. includes a special guest. We are hosting Kendra Thomas, author of the Granted series. That episode premieres on October 4th. Um, and I believe we're doing September already. I know. Man, this year has flown Just by. Whoop. I know. Flown by. Um, but Kendra's book, she is an independent author. You can buy her books on Amazon. I'm not sure of other vendors, but I'll either. link I'll link to some of her stuff below. If you want to read with us, like you're that one's not going to be readily available in stores. So you're going to need to get it um, elsewhere. I got the Kindle editions. Um, and I know the first and second book are available as audiobooks. So if you're an audiobook listener like Molly and I are, that is available through Audible. Hashtag not sponsored. Um, and the fourth book in the series comes out in November. So that's what she's going to be talking to us about. We are reading the first book. We're going to let her talk to us more about the series as a whole and what we can expect from the fourth book. Yay! And um, of other October books, check out our social media, check out our website, and we'll, um, we'll post them there as well. I got, that's yeah. it. I ain't got nothing. Till I don't have anything time, else buddy. either. So that's it. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Book Besties. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Today's book was The Astonishing Color of After by Emily XR Pan. Your book besties are Molly Biggs and April Watkins. Editing by Thomas Watkins. And music is Sleep Sweetly by Prigida. Don't forget to follow Book Besties on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. If you'd like to contact the Book Besties, please email us at bookbestiespod at gmail.com or visit our website, bookbestiespodcast.com.